Someone tried to run me over last week. They turned left at a no left turn junction, directly across my green light, and accelerated as I stepped into the crossing. I jumped back just in time, cussing them out as I did so, but their truck was probably only an inch or two away from my face. If I hadn't been paying attention, I'd have been a goner. This keeps happening. The other day, a tube driver at an empty platform shut the doors right as I was trying to get through them, trapping my coat in the gap. If I hadn't yanked it out of the way just in time, I'd have been dragged clean down the platform and into the tunnel. A guy on a scooter swerved onto the pavement at me outside my local coffee shop, knocking me back across the tables and chairs, shaken but mostly unscathed. And every time, just after it happens, they look at me, in the mirror or through the window, and they do that little polite hands-up gesture to apologise. And then they smile. I'm James Thompson. This is Subterraneans. to learn how to get rude recently. I started cycling a lot more than I used to, for work reasons mostly, and one thing you quickly learn as a cyclist is when it's better to take the lane and block traffic from getting past rather than risk a close pass or getting run off the road by some idiot in a 4x4. You have to learn to be rude, to take up space, to refuse to yield or you'll get ignored at best or flattened by a lorry at worst. The Highway Code technically favours cyclists doing this sort of thing, but as anyone who's ever been outside will know, that which is technically true is rarely true in practice. Car drivers absolutely hate being blocked from getting to the next traffic light five seconds ahead of you, and they've been honked at and cussed out a bunch of times already. There's no conspiracy to that. People are just pricks when they're in a car. No matter what town you live in, You'll always hear people saying, nobody knows how to drive around here. I've come to realise that the common denominator in all these complaints is cars, not people. Outside of my bolshy cycling behaviour though, drivers still keep swerving into me. It's different though. The way they stop, look at me and wave after doing it, it's unnerving. There's something so genteel about it. I don't know how to react. It's really incredible how British people consider ourselves a polite culture. An awful lot of our comedy is ultimately the dry comedy of manners, at least on one end of the spectrum, with panto and gutter camp at the other, as an expression of this sort of deferential refusal to communicate. It's one of the reasons I just can't enjoy British reality TV as much as that good Yankee garbage, where they just spout off whatever's on their mind constantly. British reality shows are, at best, a pale imitation of the pure, uncut emotional rawness of an American facing a very slight difficulty in their personal life. 
I do think it's fair to say that most British people are drawn to the idea that we're a polite and respectful culture. It often comes up in surveys as a fundamental British value, one that we associate strongly with Britishness, a national identity built on forming an orderly line. Which is insane if you think about it. There's one thing that unites modern mainstream British history. It's a violent disregard for the feelings and mannerisms of other cultures. A sort of steamrolling, bared fangs rapaciousness designed to enforce imperial domination. And even if you're searching outside of imperial violence for a British cultural political emblem, surely something fun and historically consistent like gutter Marxism or iconoclastic pagan resistance would make for a better standard to rally around than minding our P's and Q's. I mentioned I've been cycling for work. I got a bit of a strange job recently, you see. I'm doing a sort of guerrilla brand marketing thing for this beverage startup. I landed the job through a friend of a friend, someone I met through my friend Flick originally, who I talked about last season, although I've never actually met them. Basically, they're trying to build hype for this new energy drink that they're going to be releasing in the next year or two. I won't give the brand name, but they've got a ton of venture capital behind them. I think it's connected to crypto or YouTube influencers, gambling maybe, something like that. And they're paying me to get the early versions of the drink into shops around the city. Every Monday morning before dawn, I get five crates of these strange garishly labelled cans delivered to my front door, with a list pinned to the top of 10 to 15 local shops which they want me to place it in. And when I say place it, I really do mean physically place it. They don't want this drink announced. They want the mystery of it suddenly appearing, ready to be sold. I'm basically doing the opposite of shoplifting, smuggling a bag of tins into an off-license or supermarket, waiting for the owner to turn their back, and then quickly bundling half a dozen onto an empty spot on the shelf. It's bizarre, but... At the end of each week, an envelope full of money drops through my door with a thud. The notes are always crumpled up weirdly, as though they've been stepped on a couple of times, but I'm always slightly overpaid. Not that I can tell anyone about it, since the line I originally called to set up the gig has gone dead. The money's good, though. I figure I'll keep doing this as long as they keep paying me to do it. Assuming nothing happens to me in the meantime, that is. What does it mean to be polite? I've been learning Korean for a couple years now, and one of the most interesting things early on was coming to understand how different politeness levels are encoded in the building blocks of the language. Broad strokes here, since there are a lot of different sentence endings, but if you hear someone end a sentence in a Korean movie with imnida, then they're speaking with quite a high level of politeness and formality. If they use yo, they're speaking up to someone, showing them a normal amount of respect. And ya, yeah, they're talking down, being rude or disrespectful. It's a lot more complex than that, even if we're just talking grammar. But an interesting thing about this system in practice is that, of course, it doesn't really matter how polite your language is. It's still possible to be rude, impudent, disrespectful, or even actively insulting while using formal speech. That's just how communication, as a broad field of which language is only a small part, works.
If you're learning English as someone from a Korean language background, one of the first things they'll teach you is that we don't have the same formal language levels. Use the same words no matter what level of person you're talking to. You signal politeness in other ways, with please and thank you, with holding open doors or taking your hat off to show respect. To be fair though, that's not strictly true. English has an incredibly complex system of high words and low words for the same thing, often based on whether the roots are Germanic or French. But more significant than that, there's the elaborate dialect of broken phrases and gentle circumlocutions known as professional English. When I refer to professional English, I don't mean the business English dialect that you can take courses in as a foreign language learner. What I mean is the careful language that you learn to use as an office worker or in a professional environment. The circling around to, the linking up with, the I'll have to come back to you on that. It's the delicate art of vamping for time in a meeting, making it seem like you know what you're doing while hiding your true feelings or intentions. It's become almost corny to talk about. It makes me feel like a Gen Xer or Fight Club and Office Space where the most terrifying nightmare imaginable was a steady job and IKEA furniture. The thing is though, if we really want to explore the idea of politeness, it all comes back to a similar place. There are entire distinct speech patterns in the English language that are explicitly about building barriers between yourself and the world. Forms of speech designed to actually prevent communication while saving face, maintaining the hegemonic order and your own place within it. This is the language of power. There's a shop on the corner near my tube station. There used to be two shops. Both were the same sort of rambling, family-run supermarket that you can find anywhere in the city, stocking the charmingly incoherent array of Eastern European food, South Asian dry goods, and alcohol gift sets that have probably been there since 1998. I would regularly find myself doing half my shopping in one and half in the other, since they had a very similar selection, but there was just enough difference that you usually had to visit both to get all the ingredients you'd need for a full meal. Sometime during the pandemic, one of the families must have bought out the other, and they've now knocked down the wall between them, presumably in some type of Aerosmith-run DMC situation, emerged into one large store, blocking up the old entrance on one side. They haven't really changed the layouts at all though, just doubled up the floor space. This means that one shop has two dairy sections, two drag goods aisles, two walls full of pet food and two drinks fridges. The stock on each side is almost identical, but now I'm walking through them side by side, I've been noticing the differences. The sliced cheese on one side looks the same as on the other, but it's actually a totally different brand, just with similar graphics. The Coca-Cola on one side is Pepsi on the other. The Kielbasa Mischliwska on one side is Kielbasa Vuselna on the other. That sort of thing. I keep being assigned this shop on my rounds as part of my new job. The guy behind the counter is always on his phone, God bless him and handles whatever I buy with a truly admirable level of disinterest, so I don't think he minds me poking around. 
Every week, I put six cans of the drink on the drink shelf on the far side. And every week it's gone before I next go in there. Until last week. Something's changed. Last week I went into the shop to put my drinks in as normal. And I checked the other fridge first. This one's close to the counter, so I'd never normally use it for my drop-offs. But one of the bottles in there caught my eye. Looking closer, there was something that looked exactly like the drinks I had in my bag sitting on the shelf. Same font, same slightly rounded bottle shape, same colour scheme. There was one difference though. Instead of the familiar brand name, all the text on the bottle had been replaced with the words, please take. So, without quite knowing why, I took. I picked up a bottle off the shelf and walked out the front door. The guy behind the counter continued to not care. I didn't see any harm in it. After all, I basically repaid them in free stock a dozen times over at that point. I was just taking my change. I turned it, right? The drink inside was nice enough, a little tart. I drank it on a bench in a park just round the corner, taking a little break in the cool early spring sun. A magpie screeched out its smoker's cough call in the middle distance. I checked my phone for a few minutes. It was pleasant. Then a lorry smashed through the fence behind me knocking a tree down onto the bench where I'd just been sitting. And the driver looked at me, and he waved an apology, and he smiled. I think I'm being hunted. I feel like I'm on the wrong side of something. The envelopes of money keep arriving but not the soft drinks, and the shop near my flat closed the next day. There's police tape hanging in front of the shutter. I don't understand what's happening. Every time I go out, everyone's so polite. People hold doors open for me and then slam them shut behind me. I get gestured across the road by van drivers, looking at me with viciously empty eyes. I try to throw the drink bottle away, but strangers keep fishing it out the rubbish to give it back to me. I'm terribly sorry, but I think you dropped this, they say, pushing it forcefully back into my hands. I can't get a straight answer out of anyone. All the windows in my flat were broken in the night, one after the other, while I hid under my desk. When I went to go outside to flee, my neighbours were standing in a semicircle around my door. They said they'd keep an eye out for any trouble. And they smiled. Everyone's so fucking polite. And cars keep trying to hit me wherever I go. Don't know how to fix this. I'm suddenly the target. I just can't seem to communicate. 
I've shifted position and my words don't do anything in the face of the distance and closeness of formality. Every conversation is like throwing a punch in a dream. Nothing sticks. If you're hearing this, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I can't run much further. I can hear the engines in the distance. I feel like there's no escape. I'm so sorry. Please? 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 for joining me through season six of Subterraneans. I've been James Thompson. The show will now be on hiatus for a while as I work on the next phase. As always, Subterraneans is entirely written, recorded and scored by me. So I need to ask my listeners to help with the promotion. If you know anyone who you think might enjoy Subterraneans podcast, please pass it on to them. I'd love to drag a few more souls underground. You can reach me at Subtopod on Twitter or by email through subtopod at gmail.com. If you're enjoying this series, please subscribe and rate on the Apple Podcasts app. You can also subscribe on Patreon, where you can get access to transcripts, bonus episodes, and behind-the-scenes info from £5 a month. That's patreon.com forward slash subtopod. Special thanks to my £10 and above subscribers, Hiran, Alex and Andrew. Doesn't it make you feel better? The pigs have won tonight. Now they can all sleep soundly and everything is alright. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>